0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to Blurb, where the back of a book meets a discerning look. Each week, best-selling author Sally Shields and publishing guru Dr. Kent listen to pitches from five authors vying for Book of the Week honors. Now live, on the air, with vigor and style, are Dr. Kent and Sally, the bibliophiles,
2: Welcome to blurb. It's Wednesday night, uh, March 25th, and spring has arrived. Uh, something uh we're pretty excited about up here in New York. Uh, it's been a little bit balmier and the birds are out. Uh the uh the blackbirds are taking all my birdseed out outside. How how you been doing, Sally? Oh, we got to get Sally on the line, my co-host. And here we are. Hey there, Sally. <laughs>
3: Hey Dr. Ken, how you doing? Wow, that music always kind of puts a smile on my face. Uh Earl Clue, he's just he's just fantastic and um wow, it was kind of upbeat and fun and I'm glad we have him on uh as our intro music.
2: And I was just saying, you know, I, the birds keep stealing all the uh, the seed out of my feeder. Uh how's, how's spring been treating you out there?
3: Oh, well finally today we got some relief here. So, yes, um Ready to take my kids to the park again, so it's it's hopefully any day we'll we'll hit spring full force. Can't wait.
2: Well, you know what I want to do when spring comes around? I want to curl up in the sunshine with a good book and the windows open and the breeze is blowing through.
3: Oh, sounds like a country. Sounds like a, something out of a country novel.
2: Well, let's. What do you say we we start listening to some blurbs?
3: <laughs> that sounds great. Um, you know, we listen to three-minute blurbs here all week. Uh, I mean, each week from all kinds of authors. No longer than three minutes, they tell us about their book in three minutes or less. And each week, we choose the best blurb from all the rest. And during the following week, or actually, it could be maybe two or three, two or three weeks down the line, we honor them with Book of the Week honors because we both need a chance to uh, read the book. And then we're going to have them on um, as a live guest.
2: And I, I can't wait to uh, talk to last week's uh, uh, winner and uh, tell us about last week's winner.
3: Wow, Deborah Sanders came on and she just blew us out of the water. She wrote an incredible book called A Matter of Panache, and uh, she is a woman who was an award-winning psychologist and teacher and lived in Alaska for over 20 years, rolled her truck, got a traumatic brain injury, and basically uh, went on to um, have a completely different life. Just a fascinating, fascinating story.
2: And so, what exactly is a blurb How, how does one uh, go about creating one and why would why would somebody uh, uh, have one
3: Well, you know there's two types of blurbs you know here on on blurb we we let you talk for three minutes about your book it's you really want to captivate the audience. you want to think backside of the book, copy in a magazine, two lines on the radio. you know a good pitch can generally be in, expressed in thirty seconds or less. So three minutes is really an eternity for a good blurb. So what you want to put in is your name and your credentials, your book title, your genre and your theme, and what is the vision of your book and your message. And your reader really needs to know what's in it for them. So you want to really try to hook us right right from the beginning so that people will really be excited about the idea of reading your book.
2: And I, I can't wait to, to, to listen to the first one. But uh, before we do that, um, uh, we're new on the air here, and I, I'd love to introduce my co host, uh, Sally Shields. She's the author of The Daughter in Law Rules. And, uh, you know, I'm not married yet, but uh, I know that uh, there's got to be a lot of rules.
3: Yeah, well, uh, you know, after 10 years of marriage, I I made every mistake in the book, Dr. Kent, so I really set out to um, figure out a way to have a more peaceful and harmonious relationship with my mother-in-law, and when I started to put into practice some of the rules that I devised and I found that they actually worked, I thought that I could help save other young wives years of needless contention.
2: And uh, how has the industry treated you so far?
3: <laughs> well, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I started from basically ground zero, didn't know anything about the publishing industry whatsoever, and went through the entire process of finding out about a query letter. And, you know, uh, basically um, I had written to about 100 agencies and got uh, an agency interested in New York, uh, literary agent, went through the whole process with the writing of the proposal, getting turned down by 15 publishers, and finally I decided to turn to self-publishing. And it's been an amazing journey, and I'm so glad. And I always tell people that sometimes it's a blessing in disguise when you get turned down by a major publisher, because when you're first starting out, it's often um, really great to start out on your own, to learn learn about the publishing industry, to start as a self-published author, and really just work your way up And learn about the media and how to pitch the media and all the things that you need to do in order to become a best selling author in this industry.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And I'm, you know, we're all learning in this together, which is the most fun part of the book industry. You know, uh, thousands of books published every year, there's plenty of space for everybody. And I'm excited to listen to some brand new folks here who want to give us their pitches about their books, uh, some blurbs. Uh, Do you want to introduce somebody for us here, Sally? You know these people.
3: Uh, let's see here. I'd love to listen to Alicia Dunham's. Uh, let's let's check that out.
2: All right. Let's listen. This is Alicia Dunham's Blurb.
4: Love Talk Radio. Mary rich. That's what Alicia Dunham set out to do. But instead of marrying a millionaire, she learned the secrets of becoming one, turning her dates with fame and fortune into the ultimate wealth-building school – Now you too can make more money, jumpstart your ideas and enjoy your ultimate lifestyle using the rich man's secrets revealed in her amazing new book. Gold Digger is her inspiring story and your first class ticket to the life of your dreams inside the sizzling you tell all. Alicia takes you beyond the expensive gifts, exotic trips, and lavish dinners to reveal the intimate lessons the Rich Man taught her about money life and success. Hi, it's Alicia Dunham's here, and I'm the author of Goal Bigger, Lessons Learned from the Rich Men I Dated. I kind of consider it a manifesto for single women and men on how to create wealth in all areas of your life, being an entrepreneur, investor, and just following your dreams. Uh, I am an invest real estate investor, and I'm an entrepreneur, and I it all started when one of the rich men I dated said, Alicia, you are industrious enough to be our own millionaire. So check me out. gold Digger, lessons learned from the rich men I dated. That's G-O-A-L.
5: Thank you.
3: <laughs> I got to laugh. Wow. You know, Dr. Kent and I discussed last week after our first show that we really felt that we needed to have a set of criteria to judge these blurbs by because um, right now we Do not have our blurbs categorized into genres just yet. So, we've decided on four main areas criteria that we would judge these uh, blurbs upon. We came up with bling, clarity, information, and delivery. So, Dr. Kent, what did you think?
2: That one had some bling to it. (laughs) What's it? What do you think?
3: Yeah, I I liked. I liked it. It absolutely had bling. I mean, bling. Yeah. Absolutely a had bling. It talked about how she started off. And for, for those people out there that may not have um, understood the title of the book, it's actually um, Gold, Goal, G-O-A-L, Goal Digger. Uh, so, um, and, see,
2: I, a and see, I didn't get that from the blurb. Maybe, maybe that's something, uh, you know, maybe uh, she should have spelled it out.
3: Possibly. Possibly, yes, because for people that don't know her and don't know her book and aren't seeing it visually, it does sound like Gold Digger. So and that was a play on words, but but it is it's it's gold digger and it it talks about, you know, what she said the lessons that she learned. She started off um dating rich men and then, you know, learned a whole bunch of lessons along the way and then ended up sort of creating her own fame and fortune along the way, which I think is a really cool concept. And and I was
2: so intrigued by it. um, I actually, uh, I'm sitting here, uh, and uh, I I Googled her right away and checked it out. And and, uh, uh, so even though she didn't spell it out for me, I Googled her name, and there she was. And uh, she's got a fantastic website and concept there going on.
3: Now, could you tell from the blurb alone whether or not this was a fiction or a nonfiction? Oh, I
2: think so, yeah. I mean, uh, um, she's talking about... uh, you know her real life relationships, uh, I, I would assume it's fiction- uh nonfiction right?
3: Well, you know, I think so as well, but the way that she did her blurb, it was done in the third person, so it was interesting.
2: Ah, tell me more.
3: Well, let's see um it just sounded like she was talking a bit that it could it could have almost been like a nonfiction uh you know kind of like a beach novel or something like that, and that's what I liked about it. But in actuality, I do believe that it is, um, yes, it's absolutely a nonfiction book. So very interesting. Now let's move on to B. What, do you, what did you think about Clarity? How clear did you think that she came across with that blurb?
2: Very clear. Um, however, um, I thought that um, I, I felt a disconnect between uh, sort of very copy-specific and then sort of a personal tone that kind of came out halfway through.
3: I think that's going to be the the trick with these because it's, it's the author pumping themselves up. It's the author pitching themselves. So it's going to be a combination of, you know, sort of reading the back of the book copy, mixed in with a little self promotion. You know, uh, it's as an author you really got to get out there and and learn how to self promote. And it's difficult for some people because you kind of have to cross that line between, you know, kind of being, uh, you know, self depreciating and humble, but you really also got to get out there and 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 sell
2: and uh yeah a lot of authors have a little bit of trouble with that that's what blurb's for we're we're teaching them teaching them how to be out out in people's faces and um i i certainly enjoyed enjoyed that one uh I think um, I think we should move on to the next one and, and keep a little bit of a secret about uh, Alicia's blurb. And of course, after um, after we've thought about it, we post uh, the week's winner up on our website, blurbradio.com or uh, blogtalkradio.com/slash-blurb.
3: Indeed. Okay, you pick the next one.
2: All right. So let's. I, I think we should listen to Dr. Reggie uh, with his blurb. Uh, Dr. Reggie Melrose. Uh, I, I'm curious about this one.
0: Talk Radio. Please help me stop
6: the misdiagnoses and over-medication of children. After 13 years working in schools as a Ph.D. psychologist, I wrote a book called Why Students Underachieve, What Educators and Parents Can Do About It. In it, I explain the various learning and behavior problems displayed by children as natural responses To the very real events of their lives this is what the latest neuroscientific evidence is showing us that so-called problems illnesses or disorders of many of our children are not disorders at all but what happens naturally as a consequence of living in the world today as we face these tough economic times and as the demands of school and social pressures mount we can understand that too many children live with inordinate amounts of stress, even trauma, and when they do, changes are made to their brain and nervous system that can be healed naturally. More than half the book is dedicated to illustrating how educators and parents can use simple yet powerful tools to restore the important capacity of self-regulation. This, in fact, is the single most important capacity for all of learning and adaptive behavior. Without healthy self-regulation, our children do not have the solid foundation they need upon which everything else is possible, whether reading, writing, arithmetic, or pro-social behavior. Many real-life examples of struggling and misunderstood children are in this book. Their stories wait for you, please read them, and help me, Dr. Regelina Melrose, make one of the most important changes of this century
2: Wow that was a uh, a moving uh blurb i I, I think um, in many ways uh, that could have been a public service announcement uh, it was so beautifully recited uh, that's That's my first take on it. What about you?
3: It was very emotional for me, especially as, as a mother of two young children. Immediately I started to think about my own children and, you know, what would happen if a doctor all of a sudden told, told me that I needed my children to go on medication. Boy, it's it's an emotional topic, something that I really believe that, um, that people need to know about. I, I, I give it a 10 for emotion. That was really that got to me right away.
1: And
2: an interesting thing was, um, as much as I loved the blurb, I thought it was uh, spectacular. And uh, if I was reading it, um, I would be immensely pleased uh, by the flow of it and, and also spoke in such a beautiful tone. But I think a little bit of the, the marketing edge was absent. Uh, I didn't, she kept coming back to my book, uh, where I kind of wanted to hear the title again
3: that's a good point, Dr. Kent, because actually, um, in all of the media training that i 've done over the past uh, few years, the number one thing that you do want to avoid when you 're doing a radio interview is to mention um, the word the two words my in or it's the three words in my book i, I 'd have to go and listen to it again to see whether or not she actually said that or how many times, but you 're right that is something to avoid. Uh, those particular words, you want to talk about more the benefits of the book without actually, you know, in the problems that you can solve without actually saying, in my book.
2: Right, right. And uh, But at the same time, uh, what an emotional delivery. Uh, there's, there's, there's not much more to be said about it. I I, I thought it was spectacular. Uh, it's, it's so much fun doing this job, uh, listening to blurbs by various authors. And that was Reggie Melrose, Ph.D., and uh, I'd love to hear another one. What about you?
3: Yeah, let's go for it.
2: Who should we listen to next? How about Marie Faustino?
3: Oh, that sounds fantastic.
2: All right, let's listen to hers.
0: Love, Hope, Radio. Alzheimer's, a caretaker's journal by Marie Faustino and published by Seaboard Press in the late 2007, is one of those rare family caregiver books written in real time. Unlike many caregiving books written as recollections of caregiving, experiences from years ago, Faustino's book is fresh, compelling, vivid, and poignant. It accomplishes its aim in helping the caregiver know what to expect. What a gift. Joe Faustino had a saint for a daughter-in-law. How else could one describe the heroic deeds simply told? The highs, the lows, the joys, the tears, the frustrations, even the anger and the commitment, yes, the unwavering commitment of a loving mother of five who devotedly carried for her father-in-law in a manner unparalleled during the past decade. Alzheimer's, a caretaker's journal, begins with a brief history of a war hero, Joe Faustino, and features letters from Joe's son and two of her five children. Faustino then opens her private journal for the benefit of caregivers, family members, and all who want to learn more about caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's disease. If you're a caregiver or plan to be one, do yourself a favor, buy this book. If you know of a caregiver who could use a helping hand, give this book as a gift. If you are a professional, share copies of this book with your clients. You will be warmly touched and heavenly inspired by the story of Saint Marie Faustino, who juggled long work hours while lovingly tending to her father-in-law's day-to-day needs for 2 years until his final breath. This was posted by Brenda Adrian on the Caregivers blog. The book is Caregivers, the book is Alzheimer's a Caregiver Journal by Marie Faustino. Thank you.
2: And what do oh. you think of that one?
3: Wow, okay. Well, you know, it's it's really again a very emotional topic. Um my mother had uh, t- took care of her both of her parents the last couple of years um while they both suffered with Alzheimer's before they went into a nursing home. So she absolutely is correct when she talks about herself as a um what was the adjective that she used? I think she was saying that she was an angel or something like that. It was definitely um, yeah, what she went through was something that I think a lot of people can relate to. So many people are taking care of their elder their, their the loved ones that are that have grown old and it absolutely touched touched a nerve with me.
2: Well, and and I, what I think is is tricky for us um is we're listening to blurbs as well as, you know, um people in the book industry is at what level do we um do we let our emotions uh carry us and and uh um there's certainly a big aspect to when you deliver a blurb when you're delivering a sound bite when you're um uh you know pitching someone your book in a letter or on the telephone uh there has to be a level of emotion there and i uh, should definitely had that um what about the rest what's your take did it have the uh did it have the uh uh, the bling to it.
3: It had. Mm, I wouldn't say it had bling. I think it had a different type of. Uh, I don't think it really had necessarily bling. It may. It may have fall fell short on bling, um, and and the second uh, criteria that we were talking about in terms of clarity, it was clear, but it also sort of went off on a little bit of a tangent, and she lost me there in the in the middle for a while talking about. I wasn't sure if it was. Her that was taking care of her father in law or she was speaking in the third person, so it was a little murky at times. Um, what did you think about the clarity of the blurb
2: um, it was it was quite clear um, I, I think um I would have liked um, a little more shape to it I, but it's you know it's, it's hard to um, i think what i what I liked most about it, I think was that she did do a, her marketing pitch in there um, and what's interesting about uh what we're doing is we're encouraging people to talk about their book. And she was very clear to say, this is the book that's available, and here's the title again. And she came back to that. Um, And it's so interesting to hear all of these blurbs um, uh, in sort of our uh, um, beginning stages of this radio show because people are just starting to feel out what a blurb is and, uh, and how to speak it.
3: Now just something that it would be interesting to find out is that she did say at the end uh, Alzheimer's a caregiver's journal. But when I went and googled the book, it actually said Alzheimer's a caretaker's journal.
7: Hmm. That could
3: be something that she might want to get really clear on because if she gives the wrong title of her book, people aren't going to be able to find it.
2: Right. Yeah, and it's it's very important your your book is your brand. You know, uh it's uh it's it's got to be so much you that uh, when you talk about uh, like Sally when she talks about her book The Daughter-in-Law Rules uh, she she is that uh, she's inside that that character and that title and when she does a media appearance uh, that's what she's there speaking about
3: right well that's a good point you do want to stay really really on topic and usually when you go on the radio you'd like to have three main topics in mind which you really you just want to break it down into the top three important messages that you want to tell about your book you've got a very short amount of time sometimes when you get on radio interviews you only have three minutes and it could even be a conversation with the host of the radio show so you don't have much time so you need to really really captivate the audience with with three main sound bites that you have about your book so that's something that you can think about
2: and you know what I'd like to do? Um, I, I think it'd be interesting uh, uh, there's so many things we can talk about. Um, I, I'd love to chat with uh, uh, maybe every week we could talk about a book we're reading right now. What, what floats our boats? You know I, I've got a, a background in publishing, and I, I have a hard time reading most books. Uh, I'll, I'll read the first couple lines and say, "Well, uh, let's get the next one." Uh, and I, I think you're, you're quite a discriminating reader as well. What are you reading right now?
3: Well actually I started to read Deborah's book this week because I knew that was on on uh, the plate for me. So I did start uh, reading A Matter of Panache and it, it's it's absolutely wonderful. It just uh from the first chapter I was absolutely taken in by the story. So that's something that I look for in a book. I look for something that grabs me right away and keeps me interested. Well, just like everybody. I mean it's got to be a hook. It's got to be something interesting and something that really uh, captivates your mind and, and makes you want to read more.
2: What, what, I, what think I think is so interesting is um, I just picked up uh, uh, the book uh, "Tribes" by uh, Seth Godin, and uh, that book, of course, is done very well. And what what makes a, uh, the difference between a, a best-selling author and a uh, uh, you know an independent author or a um, you know the guy down the street that wrote a book, or uh, the person that you're 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 shaking when you meet them because they're so famous. Uh, and I think you know they're the same words on the same pages. Um, you could hire the same cover designers. What what what's the difference between the books that are successful and not? Uh, you're you're quite a marketing guru. What what's what's your take on that?
3: Well, you know, for example, there is a lot of people that started off that you wouldn't even have known that started off as self-published authors that later became million-dollar authors. For example, uh, take Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You know, he could not get arrested with his book. I think he sent it to 130 different publishers, and they all turned him down. And his, his main idea was simply to, to write the book because he had a bigger goal in mind. He wanted to sell a game. He wanted to sell a game called Cash Flow, and the book was really just written as a calling card. The book was, I think, a fourteen ninety five book, but the game was an $195 game. So he ended up uh, using the book to sell the game. I think So you're talking, had-
2: about, you're talking about an actual game, like a, a board game or what?
3: Actual board game.
2: Huh. What, what was it called?
3: It was called Cash Flow.
2: Huh. And see, I didn't know that. I, I know the book very well, and I had no idea.
3: He sold about, the first time out, he sold the book, and I believe he made about $30,000 selling the book, but he made about $9 million selling the book. <laughs> so what? So what, what I want people to realize is that, you know, it's not necessarily the book that is going to make an author a lot of money. And even though people dream about becoming that next million-dollar author, you know, they think about Harry Potter and they think about, Um, who's another person that comes to mind when you think about, you know, Chicken Soup for the Soul series and things of that nature. But those are very, 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 very few and far between the people that, that are able to produce those numbers. So what you want to think about as an author is how you can build your brand and how you can actually use your book as a calling card to then go on to build your business, become a speaker, um, you know, perhaps inspire people, become a motivational speaker in the colleges, or perhaps you know, create some kind of a back end product or service or coaching program that can then you can build from the credit- credibility that you derive from from having written a book.
2: All right, and that's and that's where you know the blurb comes in. Uh, a blurb is not just about. Um... You know what your book is about. It it really turns into who are you, and uh, your book might be marketing you. For example, on uh, Sally Sally Shields' uh, new cover, my co-host, she she uh, has got a, a picture of herself in cartoon, and honestly, the book itself is marketing you. Is that right?
3: Well, you know, I'd like to think that, even though I still have <laughs> the 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 idea that I would like to sell the book to a million brides, because my vision is to create more harmony among 20 million mothers and daughters-in-law across the earth, so I'm not giving up on that dream of selling a million or six million of my book, but yes, it's true that, that I'm sort of using the book as a calling card to become a spokesperson for uh
2: I think I lost Sally here, uh, and she was just right in the middle of talking about her uh, uh, daughter-in-law rules, and uh, and uh, hopefully we'll get her back uh, pretty quick here. Uh, we're hosting a new show here called Blurb. And it's very exciting, uh, and uh, we, we we listen to three-minute clips from all sorts of different authors. Uh, already today, we've listened to four of those, and uh, I'm going to listen to another one in just a minute here. Uh, but let me talk a little bit about uh, my view of the publishing industry. You know, uh, it's a it's sort of a, a a scary place for a lot of folks, and uh, and Sally was just talking about uh, you know how she's found her path, and uh, so many people have found their way in the publishing industry, despite there being something like uh, between two and 400,000 books published every year. Two, or, two to 400,000 books published every year, and yet uh, uh, people are able to find their way. Uh, and I believe I've got Sally back with me.
3: <laughs> I have no idea what just happened, but here I am. And we lost you for a minute. I don't know what I was talking about, or if even anybody cares, but
2: <laughs> it, it, well, you know, we what what makes you so fascinating uh, to me, and I'm I'm excited to always uh, share the the microphone with you here and uh, uh, in the coming weeks is that you know you were able to turn a self-published book into kind of a phenomenon in a way. Um, talk about how people can do that uh, if somebody's listening to the show right now, whether live or uh, recorded here. What 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 can you do to uh, take a book and whether it's been published with a major publisher or independently, self-published, any kind of published, one of those you know two to four hundred thousand books published every year in the United States? How do you make yours stand out?
3: Well, here's the thing. Really, what you need in terms of um, getting out there and being a successful author are two things. It, it boils down to two things, which is, one, you want to have you know, a, a true passion for your topic. And two, you, want to have a, you really need to have a sincere desire to help people. So if you have those two elements in place, you can truly then go on to um, cr- you know, create sort of a media uh, blitz for yourself. For example, you know, when I found out that uh, Obama's mother-in-law was moving into the White House, I was able to tie in the fact that my book was about getting along with a mother-in-law, and I wrote a pitch to Fox & Friends and was able to get on that way. And when, for example, Joe Biden's mother-in-law passed away during the uh, election and all of that um, that was going on, I pitched AOL Living Home with a pitch about how, you know, Joe Biden's mother-in-law had passed away and that, you know, what was the best way that you know before it's too late how could you create a lifetime of peace with your very own mother-in-law so it's about tying in to the news and what's happening now the media cares about what's happening now and you can almost always find an angle it's really funny but you know at first I thought gosh you know what my mother-in-law book that that's basically one time a year Mother's Day But boy, was I wrong. When I sat down and put pen to paper and really thought about all the types of things that I could tie into and started to get all of this media attention, I thought, you know, this is very possible. You just have to find an angle and be a little bit creative. And just as another example... When I found out that Juliet from the Mike and Juliet show was getting married, I pounced on that one and wrote them a pitch saying, hey, Juliet's getting married. I'm sure that there's a lot of brides out there that could use some advice on how to create a piece with their mother-in-law and from, from day one learn how to turn your biggest critic into your number one fan. So it's all about just being creative, finding out what's timely, putting in a google alert for your book and finding out what's ha- what's hitting the news and when something timely occurs see if you can create a timely hook and just go out there and pitch
2: so i think we should uh we should write a book here it'll be a bestseller called from blurb to billionaire <laughs> and uh i mean what's so interesting to me is that every every great uh concept in the history of the world including great books they all started with some kind of little spark you know uh, it's not like, um, J.R.R. R. Tolkien or, or, uh, you know, any of the great authors that we all love, um, it's not like they, they, Stephen King, it's not like they came out of the womb successful authors, right? So there was some, at some point in their lives, they came up with some blurb that somebody liked, you know, whether it was a story, whether it was a pitch, uh, whatever it was, it, it caught somebody's attention.
3: And sometimes people spend, you know, months just on their book title alone, because, People buy books books by the title. I think something. I don't know what the what the exact percentage is, but isn't it something like eighty uh, percent of people buy the book by the title? Um, Dr. Kent is an incredible publishing guru. So I, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear more about um, things from the from from that angle and what you think in terms of publishing. For example, how important is a title for a book?
2: Well, I mean, it's you know, they say you can't judge. <laughs> <laughs> book by its cover is absolutely wrong. I mean, how many of us don't go in the borders or, or whatever uh, local independent bookstore we go to and judge books by their covers? It's what we do, you know. I mean, you, you're not going to offend a book if you, if you uh, turn the other way and look at a prettier one like you would with people, you know you can judge a book by its cover and and you will and uh what is number one on the cover? Well, it might it might look pretty, it might have something flashy, but really before anything else, you're going to look at the title. And you know, people say that uh you know, it's something like 7 to 10 seconds that people spend on the front cover of your book and then they're going to flip it over, check out the back and then they're going to uh to flip the book open and what's interesting is, you know, the front cover, yep, that, that that seven to ten seconds, that's what hooks them. You know, it might be the spine, it might be that front cover. And then what do they do? They flip it over and they read the blurb. So that's why we're here. <laughs> uh, if, if we had a show on just titles, man, we'd have about 60 people on per day, right?
3: Well, there's something else that you said that caught my ear before that was interesting, which was about, you know, anyone can have that little spark of an idea. And I don't know if you're familiar with the book, um, The One, One Minute Millionaire?
2: Of course, yep. Yeah.
3: And how um, Mark Victor Hansen and uh, talked about how, you know, the guy for, who, who invented dental floss, you know, he saw a piece of string on the floor, but that sparked an idea that ended up making him like a multi-multi-millionaire. So <laughs> if you walk into a bathroom, you know, maybe a piece of string on the floor to us is just a piece of string, but to a dentist, it becomes a way to floss your teeth, so anything... Could create a million dollar idea. You just have to keep your mind open, and that goes for books too. Any spark of an idea about a book that you have, you know, just keep keep your mind open because everybody's got a book in them, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful way to um, to uh, connect to the world and, and get your message out there. And I'm just really into helping people find find their message. So keep your mind open. You know, next time you walk into into the bathroom or the kitchen. You know, see if you can find that million-dollar idea inside yourself as well.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, we've got this person that's been patiently waiting on the line for about uh, 30 minutes now. What do you say we we see who it is?
3: That sounds great.
2: All right. uh, We're both curious. Um, I
3: think it could be Hallie.
2: Hello. uh, You're live on the air on Blurb. Uh, Who do we have?
7: You've got Hallie. How are you guys?
3: (laughs) Hey
7: Holly! Yay! Long time no speak since last night at this hour, right? You, you've been
2: you've been very patient uh, oh, waiting on pleasure. the line Oh my pleasure! I've been us. enjoying
7: it. You guys are doing such a great job. Good for you.
2: Yeah, we're having a good time. So, uh, you, like it. now you're a uh, you're an author speaking with us live, uh, which is something that we, we, we like to do on Blurb, but uh, uh, we also like to speak to them canned and recorded. Uh, but tell us uh, tell us a little about your book and, and who you are.
7: Okay, you want me to go with my blurb? I'll go directly to the blurb. I think that's the best way to get me across. Sounds perfect. Okay. Hi, guys. It's, oh, come all ye dreamers into the realm of never shy on opinions, my world, Hallie Cassidy Jane's world, where right is Jeremiah right and white is guilty, where truth is what you want it to be and rules are made to be questioned. This is the how dare she say that road to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, where anyone can be insulted and everyone is. And oh, isn't that just too bad? I am Hallie Caster Jane, and I'm here to introduce you to my new book, A Year in My Pajamas with President Obama The Politics of Strange Fed Fellows. Trust me, this is no ordinary book. This is a riveting trip down memory lane, a book that explores the often zany realm of politics in an innovative look at Election 2008, a smart, sassy, and thought provoking collection of columns originally written for my blog, The CJ Political Report. And the U.K.'s independent, the view through the eyes of, trust me, an original thinker with an uncommon sense of humor, not to mention a nose for bull. This is a take-all prisoner school of journalism that will make you laugh and make you cry and tick you oh off, but above all else, get you thinking. Over Hillary, over Bill, Obama, Oprah, Sarah and Mac, the gang's all here. Oh, 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 and let's not forget the Obama's, Obama media's Tweety Bird, Chris Matthews, my Joe Scarborough fair, and the King at uh, Fox News, who actually really can shoot straight. Oh, sing, choir of angels, sing in exultation, tra-la-la. Oh, ding dong the Bush era is over. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Obama is Lord, not. But don't just take my word for it. A year in my pajamas with President Obama, the politics of strange bedfellows, is tattered by the very people it's hardest to impress as a must-read. Spot on logical, fellow political pundit in Fox News and Larry King live contributor, author Fraser Sytel calls the book, hey, it's a free country where you can say what you want and Hallie Caster Jane does just that, Mr. Saitel writes. Always irreverent, occasionally profane, Hallie's unique take on contemporary politics is well worth the read. So let me tell you a little bit about Hallie, me. I've spent my entire adult life studying the world of politics, a student of history, my book Still Life, Images of Antietam, chronicles the bloodiest battle in the American Civil War. My novel Mambo, A Conversation with the Gods, tells the haunting tale of reporter Sidney Gordon, whose quest to uncover the mystery of the missing Jorge Petro brain leads to a journey through the political games of Latin dictators and dictatorial American presidents. I was a foreign correspondent reporting from Central America during the war years. A Year in My Pajamas with President Obama, The Politics of Strange Bedfellows, is 290 pages of insight, fun, and memories. It sells for $16.95 and is available at all fine bookstores. And at my blog, the CJ Politica Report, come visit. I'm looking forward to meeting you, and thanks for the opportunity to pitch my book.
3: Hey, thanks. You did a a wonderful job, Hallie. That was really, really good. Live, kiddo, live. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It it had bling. It had clarity. It was filled with information, and you had a fantastic delivery. So, you had a lot of things in there that really, really struck me as as just top notch dr. Kent. What was your uh impression of this blurb? That's a hot
2: one I loved it yeah i'm i'm uh I want to go pick it up that's uh that's what you want out of a blurb. You want people to run to the computer or uh write down the title and uh uh there was a lot of good alliteration assonance, some good stuff, <laughs> some hot quotes I love it and uh, you said the title a few times. Uh, and really dwelled on it, and I, I appreciate that, too.
3: I could well, also see you, um, you know, it's so timely, <laughs> <laughs> you, could, you could be getting on, you know, all of the morning shows with this one. I mean, this is just, what, when did this come out?
7: It just is out now. I just finished it. Just oh, got it.
3: my goodness. So yeah. we're
7: really, uh, you're really the first.
3: You could be hopping on the, oh my goodness, have you started to look into media appearances, for example, The Morning Show and Good Morning America and all of those shows, they should have you on. They all
7: should have me on and I'm telling you, I am, I'm like overwhelmed right now with it all because it's really starting, to, it is pick, picked up. I'm, I sold out our first printing right away, I was excited. So we're really starting now on, on the pitch and I wanted to try it out first before I got myself into that situation. So you guys were my tryout. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We'll take
2: that any time. That's, that's so, what we're trying to be doing on blurb. Yeah, and we,
7: that's that's how you have to do it. You have to, you know, you have to get up there and you got to get out there and try it and see where you go. I yeah, like what your is, and
2: what, what but, is a blurb? I mean, it's a it's a 3-minute pitch. You know, it's you selling yourself. It's something that authors are pretty nervous about, but it's something that's so important.
7: I think it's yeah. key. Um I mean, but yeah. I like what you guys said too. You uh, you know, you gave a lot of information there. Um and uh, um, I like the way you, you know, you talked about Pulling in the outside, that the book is really just a vehicle to get you out there. If you're smart, and uh, that's how I've always felt. So let's and see Hallie, if we can do it. But honey. something
3: else that I'd like I'd like to hear you work on is, um, you know, now you've got your three your three minute pitch down. But when you are approaching the media, you're going to need a ten to twenty second pitch, basically three sentences, because they're so busy and they're not going to have time. You are literally going to have 10 seconds to capture their attention. Okay. And, uh, Dr. Kent, maybe I could just uh, sort of go over very briefly um, a little elevator speech tutorial for those
2: of okay? you. Absolutely. You're the, you are the elevator speech queen, so let's, let's hear it from the mouse.
3: Okay. So, um, Hallie, I'm sure that you're familiar with, um, with, with the elevator speeches. But basically what, what an elevator speech is, it's a personal soundbite presentation in two to three sentences or less. And, you know, 10 seconds is ideal. You need to be able to immediately tell the media in three quick, concise sentences who you are, what you can do, and why they should care. Um, as we said, media people are very busy. You need to be able to tell them what you need to get across very, very quickly, and you'll know if they're interested or not after you give your elevator speech. And, you
2: know, Sally Sally has a good elevator speech. And Since it's so short, why don't we hear yours? Yeah, what's yours?
3: Okay. So, for example, um, you know, I'll break it down into the three sentences. You know, say who you are in the name of your book. Hi, I am the mother-in-law manager, and that's something else that you can do. Put, sort of put a little cute name to yourself because sometimes people remember the name and not necessarily your name, but they'll remember, you know, a cute little name. They'll remember. I'm the mother-in-law manager and author of the Daughter-in-Law Rules: 101 Surefire Ways to Survive and Thrive with Your Mother-in-Law. Number two, what you want to what you want to do is try say what you're trying to accomplish with your message. So my second sentence is, my vision is to inspire more harmony among 20 million mothers and daughters-in-law around the world. And the third sentence is, you want to tell them how you can solve a problem for them. So my third sentence would be, for example, I'll reveal how anyone can turn their biggest critic into their number one fan in three simple steps. Whew. So basically, in three sentences or less, you're going to be, you know, telling them what, who you are, what the name of your book is, what your vision is, and what problem you can solve for them. And that's so I've got a,
2: to... I've got a question for you now, uh, and and I kind of know the answer already. But now, did you just sit down and in ten minutes uh, come up with that?
3: Well, it took, a, you know, I've I've created a lot of different pitches depending on who I'm pitching. So that is basically a general sort of pitch. If I were to meet somebody in an elevator and someone would say, well, who are you and what do you do? So you should have one particular generalized pitch, and I did work on that for quite a while because you want to make sure that you get, you, know, you hone down your ex- exactly what it is that you want to tell people. You want to get it right the first time, so it, it, you should spend time on it.
2: Right, and it's something that it's so important, and a lot of us, you know, we're good talkers, and we think, oh, all right, you know, uh, I, I could talk my way through this, but the great exercise, uh, like this wonderful pitch we just heard and the pitches we've heard all day, is when you take the time to really nail it down and say, this is my pitch, and you go over it and over it and over it, I'm amazed that Sally, for example, she she just has it at the tip of her tongue, uh, so she can, you know, say it when she's on the air, because people prod her for it, and then she says, oh, here's my pitch,
3: yeah. Almost, right. Memorizing. You, almost, you <laughs> almost
2: learn your own pitch. You you develop it. You learn it. You you um, and you use it.
3: And once you have the pitch, then you really want to have three main messaging points that at any given time you can talk about. Like if if someone were to say, "Okay, Hallie, what are your top three tips? What are your top three tips for um, for example, uh, you know your your year in your pajamas? What what would be the top three stories that you could tell? Or the top three messages that you want to get across, and just be able to have those ready to go.
2: And and also, you know, be be ready for, um, you know, what are people going to want to talk about? You know, and that's that's the number one. Like me, I've got Obama on the tip of my tongue all the time. I love the guy, right? right. So if you're on my show, know that I love Obama and say and, and be ready to pull out the story that's about him. You know what I mean? Uh,
7: did you hire a publicist, or did you do all your stuff yourself? I. Yeah. I
3: I do it all myself.
2: She is the supreme publicist.
7: uh... I can tell that she is. I just was curious when she started whether she had hired somebody or she just did it herself.
3: Well, what happened was I ended up going to the publicity summit and meeting, it was almost like a speed dating situation, where I met about 100 different media people. And after I gave my first interview, I was just horrible. And I was on the radio, and one of the um, interviewers said, you know, I really like your message, Sally, but I think you need some media training. And I thought, wow, she's right. So I ended up getting media trained and learning how to uh, distill my information down into sound bites and really uh, break it down into uh, messaging points and, uh, you know, topics and and areas of how I could uh, solve someone's problem, give tips, quick tips really fast, comment on them. And that's the kind of thing that you need to do with the media because what you're there to do is keep people on the air, solve a problem for them, and give them good information. It's not about your book, believe it or not. It's about you being an expert and you giving people great tips and great information on the air. And that's what's going to keep them calling you back.
2: And what's fun about this show is uh, uh, people can tune in and uh, uh, and get uh, a whole bunch of free information from Sally, who I think of as, as being... A genius in this stuff and 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 for me and I have a lot of you know gritty knowledge about the industry and and we have such a great time about it um and uh and uh, uh this is going to be a really fun uh, adventure here so it's been great talking with you Hey, are uh, going so on. much
7: for having me on. I really appreciate it you got a great show we'll all keep listening
2: <laughs> all right we got we got three more blurbs to do we've got to squeeze them in now, but all I'm right psyched good night guys good night good we'll night. talk thanks to you soon to here. and we're gonna we're gonna listen to uh Uh, uh, um, a blurb from Susan Young and uh, let's listen to it.
0: Love, Talk Radio
3: Don't let the next beautiful woman you are attracted to get away. Most men blow it with women before they even say hello because they don't know how to approach a woman and start a compelling conversation. What men need is a dating manual. So I wrote one, The Ultimate Guide to Dating. Every woman wants to date a prince but no one is teaching men what they need to know. Every man can be a prince once he knows the three elements of any great relationship, know, like, and trust. In my book, A Man's Guide from Frog to Prince, I reveal the dating secrets every man needs to know. I'm Susan Young. See you on the other side.
2: That one was super short and sweet.
3: Yeah. I wanted to hear more. She left me wanting more.
2: Yeah, and you know, I mean, it was a good one. You know, she she had a lot of great ideas, but I mean, man, she could have told us so much more in that three minutes. It's like, uh, uh, you know, why why uh, why get it all out so quick?
3: Yeah, I think that um, we definitely need to have Susan back with a longer with a longer blurb. I think we need to have even a section where perhaps we can have people do elevator speeches um, because there's such a need for both. There's a need for a, a longer blurb, and there's a need for an elevator speech. I think that would definitely fall into the category of elevator, elevator pitch.
2: And I, I, am, I am excited about her book from it. Uh, but let's listen to the next one that's uh, full length here. This is by Marianne Camarado.
5: Love Talk Radio. Hi, I'm relationship expert, international radio talk show host, And author, Marianne Camarado. And I'm here to tell you, I'm so excited. My latest book, Hindsight, What You Need to Know Before You Drop Your Drawers, is going to be here tomorrow, March 26th. And like I always say, great relationships begin within, and it's never been more important to have a relationship tool belt that will help you turn the relationship of your dreams into reality You'll learn six tools that could save your life, 14 questions to ask before you have sex, the critical importance of self-inquiry, and how to resist the urge to merge until you're truly ready. Hey, if you've ever had hurt feelings, a broken heart, or worse, looking for your soulmate and haven't found them yet, or wonder why you keep picking the same crappy relationship over and over, but bottom line, if you can have sex, and you're thinking about having it again or ever stop get a copy of hindsight what you need to know before you drop your drawers and if you act now you'll get my free video of my big bad wolf exercise which by the way is a fundamental teaching in my work it shows you exactly where you're wasting your precious energy and how to change that right now and in hindsight what you need to know before you drop your drawers I'm also going to tell you six stories about six different women who wish they knew then what they know now that span betrayal and murder. And after learning these skills, by the way, and countless others who, like you, don't want to have to learn the hard way anymore, they found what they were all looking for, the love of their lives. I found mine, and I can help you find yours, too, and after 25 years of proving this method, all you have to do is begin within www.maryannelive.com.
3: Wow. Okay, Dr. Kent, that to me that hit all four points: bling, clarity, information, and delivery. I heard what her book was about. It made me want to know more. It was compelling. It was cute. It was quirky. She gives a free gift. She gives her website. She she's obviously an expert in what she does and it was very funny. What did you think?
2: Well here's the thing. Uh one thing I was okay, well, I was cracking up laughing when I heard the title of the book. Uh and uh, you know, I, I had a hard time stopping myself over the air here so I didn't, you know, laugh over the top of it. Uh, so it was fantastic that way. It had the energy, it had the, the, the shebang to it, but I really do miss um that the the bookish part of the blurb. She was an incredible publicist for herself, but I didn't hear the book at the end and I had forgotten the title already.
3: Interesting. For for me, she kept on saying uh this part of the subtitle, before you drop your drawers, before you drop your drawers. <laughs>
2: so what's the title?
3: <laughs> and the, the the title you're right. Well, I I remembered it. It was called Hindsight, but you're right. It was, um, that was lost at the end of the blurb. I think that uh, she, she did need to reiterate the title, but I but came I, away with it wanting, wanting to know more.
2: But absolutely hilarious in the delivery, and uh, she definitely got me to her website with that pitch
3: that is key. That is key for authors. That's something else that I'd really like to, to stress to people is that you want to try to have a little freebie that you can give away whenever you're on the radio you know, to get people to your website because the main thing is to build a little herd to create a list of followers and, and then send them a newsletter and keep in touch with them. That's really the key to becoming a successful author is to start your own newsletter and start your own mailing list and create a little herd of people that will just love you and follow you everywhere <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. Create the little herd of people, and then you'll be all set. I love that. I love that. Uh, We've got to keep talking about that concept. That should be um, one of your next books, Sally, should be creating the herd of people. I love that concept. <laughs> um, so let's listen to that last one, Eric Gross, uh, and, then, and then we'll uh, close the show up.
3: Sounds great.
1: Hi. I'm Eric Gross, and I'm the author of the new book, Liberation from the Lie, cutting the roots of fear, once and for all. Despite the plethora of research and writing in the field of mental and emotional health, despite our vast wealth and consumption, despite the availability of so much technology and convenience, unhappiness, discontent, and depression abound in our society. Too many of us are stuck on an endless treadmill searching for lasting contentment, psychological security, and even enlightenment. Most will end up searching to the end of their days. Liberation from the lie offers a radically different approach to breaking free from the treadmill of endless seeking. We discover that sustainable change through conventional therapy and even spiritual processes like Buddhism elude us because we fail to uncover the root belief that maintains our discontent in the first place based in part on my many years observing and working with the Navajo Nation's highly effective peacemaking approach to conflict resolution, liberation reveals the deepest source of our unhappiness. As we grow up, our families, institutions, and culture repeatedly deliver the message that we are just not good enough, a message we take to heart even as children. This core belief in our own inadequacy leads us to wear ourselves out trying to become someone we are not. Finding peace becomes yet one more project on our never-complete to-do list. This is not the path to enduring happiness. Liberation from the lie is a manual to finding both the false self and the authentic you that underlies it. Dozens of exercises are provided to guide the reader to not only identify her fear self in its many guises, but to also support the reader as she releases what is false and allows what is true to emerge on its own. Reading liberation is itself a powerful healing pathway. We will never experience our true self until we let go of our identification with inadequacy, that basic and false and largely hidden identity which fuels our race on the treadmill of endless seeking the reader will discover that this is really more a matter of undoing than doing. Liberation provides a roadmap to unraveling our false identities and discovering the innate resilience, strength, and passion that is our true self. You can learn more at my website, www.liberationfromthelie.com, and that's all one word, uh, and there's a blog attached. Thanks.
2: Well, that was our last blurb of the day, and it was by Eric Gross. Uh, it was, uh, you know, fascinating to hear all the different styles. His was different; it was very uh, sort of academic sounding. How about you, Sally?
3: Yeah, I felt that um, it was a little uh, maybe I don't, you know, mean to use the word dry, but it I don't know something about the title was a little bit depressing.
2: Yep, and you know, but this has been a great day, you know, from. <laughs> We've had so many different people on here, and and I can't wait to to keep doing this over the week. So we're going to have a big, uh, you know, third show release next week. Uh, It's been great talking to all you folks. And, uh, you know, we're going to go out now and uh, hopefully pick up a good book this week.
3: I just want to say one more thing about Eric's pitch is that, you know, he had so many wonderful things inside uh, the book, and it does make me want to read more. Um, So I I just wanted to to let him know that it absolutely uh, did capture my attention, and uh, I felt that maybe the pitch could be worked on a little bit in certain areas, and I'd love to talk to Eric about that later.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, thank you so much to all of our guests today. Um, We actually spoke live to uh, uh, – who was it we spoke live to?
3: Uh, Hallie Cather-Jane came on the show
2: live. So intriguing, and we've spoken to Marie Faustino through her blurb, as well as Marianne Camarado, Susan Young, Eric Gross, Dr. Reggie Melrose, Alicia Dunhams, and, of course, you've been chatting and listening to Sally Shields, and I'm Dr. Kent. And uh, Do you want to take us out there, Sally? Uh, I just want to
3: say this uh, wonderful show, co-hosting here with us, and anybody that is learning uh, the, the art of writing a book, it's, not, it's, not a it's fabulous, and I'm um, really looking forward to future shows.
2: I can't wait till the next time. We'll see you next week. Uh, it'll be April Fool's Day, I think.
3: Very cool. Have a great week, everyone.